you're in marketing, you're used to this idea of 90-10, 90% going towards tried and true, tested, you know this works. And then 10% going in this bucket of this might be the next big thing. And sometimes it is the next big thing and sometimes it isn't. But the point of that 10% is actually to learn and to future-proof yourself and make sure that you're leaning into the opportunities that are important while also balancing the expectations for the core business. Hello and welcome back to the Women of Web3 podcast. I'm Lauren Ingram and I'm the founder of Women of Web3. We're a community and a consultancy and we've been educating thousands of women about Web3 and sharing jobs, events and learning resources like this podcast. In every episode, I'll be interviewing an incredible leader about their learnings. We start off by breaking down the Web3 jargon, then we head deeper down the rabbit hole. Please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps more people find the podcast. Now, you're probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn about Web3, but have you ever considered how to actually use it in your job? At MDRX, they build digital products using Web3, blockchain, machine learning, and AI, but with purpose as the foundation, never just tech for tech's sake. So why not download their cheat sheet? It's packed with top tips on why your business should give a damn about Web3 and see whether Web3 is actually right for you in your job, your business, or even your career. So whether you're looking to optimize your business strategy or leverage tech to stay ahead of the competition, MDRX have got you covered. I'm really excited to be working with them because they live and breathe Web3. And I love that they see tech as an enabler and not as the end goal. And because they're the tech consultancy arm of law firm Mishkondorea Group, they know everything there is to know about the legalities of Web3. And if you've ever tried to launch a legally compliant NFT project, DAO, anything like that, you'll know it's really complex and you need a trusted partner. Go and download their cheat sheet now by clicking on the link in the description. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Avery Akineni. She's the president of Vayner3, which is Gary Vaynerchuk's Web3 consultancy. Gary V is, of course, the serial entrepreneur. He's been at the forefront of all things NFTs. In fact, I quite often use Vayner3's work as a case study when I'm hosting workshops. So I'm really excited to be speaking to Avery because she's been a huge name in this space herself. And recently she's been sharing really in-depth reports on her LinkedIn. So I definitely recommend giving her a follow on there. I can't believe we're already on episode 9 out of 12 for this season. So if you have anyone you're desperate to hear from for next season, tweet us or X us. I'm not sure the right verb, now Twitter's rebranded. But you know, X us on at Women of Web 3 Co. And now on to the show. Without further ado, here is Avery. Welcome to the show, Avery. Could you start off by saying who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I'm Avery Akinini and I'm the president at Vayner3, which is VaynerX's innovation group. Um, I've been part of the VaynerX family for just over five years now. Um, and I've spent my entire career in digital marketing from Target to Google to working at the Vayner companies. Amazing. Thank you. So we always kick things off with a jargon buster because people seem to really like that in season one um, and find it helpful. So how would you describe what we mean by burning an NFT? I would call burning an NFT upgrading your asset. So you can trade it in just like you might trade in, um, you know, an old car to get a new one. Um, and you sometimes might upgrade for a better one. Same kind of thing. You're trading in your NFT for a new opportunity. I love that. <laughs> Super succinct. So as you've said, you're now president of Vayna3. So what does that actually involve day to day? And also that's quite different to presumably what you were working on when you started in 2021. So what's that trajectory been like? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, it's absolutely different than what we were working on two years ago. But I think the common thread um, across my career is that change is the only constant, right? And especially in the world of digital marketing. In you know, 2012, when I started at Google, we were still getting people convinced that search advertising was a thing, right? And then came display, and then came YouTube, and then came 
programmatic, um, you know, through the double click acquisition. And then I joined Vayner and then came social and then came new formats of social. Like we were talking about Vine then we were talking about Facebook. Then we were talking about Instagram and snap and then now TikTok. And in 2021, we were talking about NFTs. And now in 2023, we're talking about web three and how AI plays a role in this sort of overall content ecosystem. So while absolutely, yes, it's changed. I think that that is by design and that's intentional and that's also the right thing. And our job at Vayner is not to evangelize like one particular type of technology or one format of marketing, but focus our attention and guide our clients on where the puck is going and where consumers are paying attention. So I assume in, you know, by 2025, we'll probably be doing something different and that'll also be by design, right? Like some things that we're doing now might really work and turn into a massive, um, discipline and some of them might not. And I think that's also sort of the nature of innovation where, you know, if you're in marketing, you're used to this idea of 90, 10, 90% going towards tried and true tested, you know, this works. And then 10% going in this bucket of this might be the next big thing. And sometimes it is the next big thing. And sometimes it isn't, but the point of that 10% is actually to learn and to future proof yourself and make sure that you're leaning into the opportunities that are important while also, uh, you know, balancing the expectations for the core business. So, um, yeah, I would say that change is the only constant. It's actually something that we embrace quite a bit at Vayner. And while in 2021, you know, we were went very deep and, and focused in the world of NFTs, and I continue to believe that technology is going to be a big part of the next era of the internet, it's certainly not the only part of the next era of the internet. And I'd say we've shifted our focus a bit to be even more consumer-centric, um, following where what consumers are looking for out of brands and out of the internet um, and their experience uh, across these digital realms because the sort of direction of, of time spent continues to trend very heavily towards a digital-first reality. Is that super interesting to hear? And I also really like that 90-10 uh, example. I think that's quite helpful, partly because I'm often being asked that as part of Women of Web3 of how much, whether it's budget or actually of our energy and time, should we be allocating to new things like this? Um, and you're right, the sort of the naming of this is changing almost by the day. Out of interest, actually, how much is your role touching AI now? Like, or how much are you having sort of client conversations um, around generative AI? Nonstop. Um, <laughs> so I think it's um, it's one of those things that, you know, my team just posted something on Twitter that was showing Google trends for generative AI and it just skyrocketed. Like AI is nothing new. I think the IBM supercomputer um, beat the chess grandmaster in 1996. So for a long time, um, individuals have recognized that um, artificial intelligence is going to be a massive thing. Um, but I think that chat GPT was that moment that really unlocked it for consumers. Like technologists were aware of this. Scientists were aware of this. Like it's been leaned into in certain pockets um, already. And, and it actually is already used like quite a bit for through like different digital marketing techniques. But consumers started caring um, when that chat GPT moment happened. Um, so we're spending a lot of time thinking about generative AI. We're spending a lot of time sort of guiding our partners on what this means. You know, we like to be skating where the puck is heading, but not too far ahead of it. I think there are some very real um, legal and ethical considerations when it comes to generative AI and using those outputs for external use cases. We're still in the middle of figuring that out. Um, no need to rush it. No need to be too far ahead of the law on that one. Um, but to us, actually, generative AI is technology that ladders into a consumer need in the next era of the internet. And what consumers are looking for is an internet that is personalized, that is ownable, and that is immersive. And we see this sort of you know, percolating across three major uh, technological 
uh, manifestations, which I would call advanced computing, which is AI and machine learning, call that blockchain, which we've seen manifest as NFTs and cryptocurrency um, and other dApps. Um, and I would also say this idea of immersive, which we've seen sort of manifest as like metaverse and digital first experiences. All those things actually are kind of more alike than they are different. And we see these technologies complementing one another. Um, so that's a little bit how we are thinking about it as Vayner. And we put this sort of squarely within our remit of you know consulting our partners on the next era of the internet. And is it the marketers that you're generally speaking to or is it more like innovation teams? When you mentioned these sort of adjacent technologies, are you speaking to sort of having to speak to different parts of a client's business or is it all through, say, the marketing team or the innovation team, typically? I would say that our partners, most of the time, are within the marketing organization. Um, sometimes within the marketing organization, there is a team that's dedicated towards innovation. So it's a little bit of both. But then also sometimes we get the you know COO or CTO or something like that who's really leaned into this and really wants to find a use case. So a little bit of strategy and technology and sort of information folks, but vast majority, I would say about 80 or 90% are, are brand marketers. Um, we're looking at connecting with their consumers and finding new ways where they can engage you know, their fans, their brand loyalty. Um, and, and sort of leverage what's happening um, to do something interesting and, of course, use this as like a marketing channel and, and business builder. Amazing. And before that, you also, I think a couple of years ago, a little bit longer, you moved to Singapore to launch VaynerMedia in several locations. Do you want to tell me more about that? Yes. Absolutely. So in 2019, I moved to Singapore to launch at the time what we were calling VaynerMedia Singapore. And as you can probably tell from VaynerNFT, I like changing the names of our companies. We, similar to what we recognized in with Vayner Singapore, we recognized with VaynerNFT that we were going too narrow. And actually, what our partners needed was something um, broader and bigger because Singapore is a regional hub for a lot of multinational companies uh, from a marketing perspective and from a budget perspective and operations. So originally, we went out to launch Vayner Singapore and Singapore is an amazing country. Um, you know, it's only about it's less than 50 years old, which is incredible. Um, and they've done a great job attracting big business there as a hub um, by adopting, you know, Western standard, like legal codes. It was, you know, they have a lot of British influence there. And, you know, we were like, great, let's bring the magic of Vayner over to Singapore. And, you know, I think it's a very different environment from just like a brand awareness standpoint. If you're walking around New York or New Jersey, everybody's heard of Gary Vee, walking around Singapore or Kuala Lumpur. And let me tell you, that is not the case. Um, but it was a really fun challenge um, to bring Vayner's, you know, creative and media and strategy offering to this new market, which we very quickly realized was the opportunity was regional versus local and subsequently built out offices in Kuala Lumpur in Bangkok, in Tokyo, in Sydney. And now they've actually also expanded to India and the Philippines as well. Um, so Singapore is kind of our VaynerMedia APAC hub. Um, I started that myself in one person in you know June of 2019. And by the time I left in June of 2021, very proud to say there's 175 people, which has now expanded to um, nearly 300 across the region. So it's been immensely successful. Um, and our value proposition has resonated and been able to help a lot of the marketers in that region um, with a focus on sort of Fortune 500 American companies. But we do um, certainly work with other local partners as well. Wow. I mean, that's pretty huge. Were you living in each of those places or kind of like jet setting around? Or Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think I probably would have been doing more jet setting if the COVID had not uh, happened. So my first few months in Singapore, I was just constantly on a plane, like figuring out all this new stuff. And COVID um, was both a massive challenge for us and a massive accelerator um, for Vaynery Pack. Because, you know, at the time when COVID happened, we were still like 50 people, small shop, just expanding into these other markets um, and building the teams there. And, you know, we had this 
massive um, opportunity with the Tokyo Olympics, which was a huge thing for us. For a small team, we get this amazing um, opportunity to do this big campaign for the uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympics. And then comes COVID. So we'd actually like hired a team to you know, do all that. Then comes COVID, everything's cut. And almost like a, you know, panic mode of like, what are we going to do? But what we did um, was like very true to Vayner. It was we leaned into our sort of digital first skill set. We learned, leaned into our ability to be resilient and adaptable to change. We're like, okay, great. You know, that um, event that was going to happen live, we're doing a live stream. Okay. You know, that campaign we're going to shoot, we're going to do a virtual shoot. We're going to use animation instead of live action. We just figured ways to make it happen and connect um, our brands with consumers who needed, you know, uplifting messages and needed a very different tonality. So that was, you know, a time when actually we did a lot of remote hiring. In fact, funny story, I just very recently met my head of the Thailand office who I'd worked with for, you know, years, but never met in person because of the COVID restrictions. Singapore until um, 2022, actually, there was a two-week quarantine period when you re-entered the country. So it made uh, quick business trips quite prohibitive. I'd forgotten about that, actually. A close friend when I was working at Meta was was struggling with exactly that, of like sort of trying to move to Singapore. But yeah, initially there were sort of restrictions in the way and you couldn't just kind of, yeah, jet over for a, a visit because uh, then you had to sort of be in a hotel room for two weeks, right? I, I do not miss those days. Um, but what would you say your biggest learnings have been at Vayner, is it various Vayner businesses? Yeah, I'd say um, my biggest learnings at Vayner have been if you can dream it, you can do it because we have made impossible things happen so many times over. Gary has a very expansive vision of where we're going to go as Vayner. And, you know, I think about when I joined Vayner Media in 2018. And at the time, we were basically a community management agency. It's like, we're going to do Super Bowl commercials. At the time, like, that was laughable. Like, we were a small shop doing community management and social work. And we'd maybe done like one commercial. And this year we did four. Like these things have happened. And like we moved into Asia and we're like, we're going to start this and get this going and work with it, you know, amazing global brands. And we did it. And same with starting Vayner 3. Like we're like, hey, we're going to help the biggest enterprises in the world understand the next era of the internet. And we're going to, you know, create this Web3 consulting model and Web3 AOR. And then we did it, you know, same thing uh, in two weeks, actually, it's going to be VCon, which is Gary's super conference. And, you know, when he first was telling me about this, this vision for, it's like, oh, it's going to be celebrities and it's Davos being South by Southwest and it's all NFT gated. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. But like, how on earth would we possibly pull that off? And the VCon and Friends team have done it. Um, so I think if you can dream it, you can do it, which, you know, I've just seen us prove so many times over. And of course we don't get it all right. We have plenty of fumbles of, of the ball as well. And my second would be that you can build a business while building an incredible culture. And I think that's been a huge driver for us. Um, just, you know, very high retention and, and recruiting the right people into our organization who have, you know, helped build this um, because Vayner is much, much smaller than our competitive set. Um, who tends to be publicly traded companies. We're a small family-owned business, um, only about 2,000 people versus you know our competitive set with many, many, many times um, more. So I think those are, those are my two learnings. And uh, do you think you'll stay lean with the advent of generative AI in terms of you know, aspects of people's jobs that might be automated. I don't mean everyone's going to be out of a job. Oh yeah, 
absolutely. You know, last summer when we first saw Mid Journey, the first thing I thought was like, wow, this is going to save us so much time and allow my creative team to be so much more creative. We spend so much time on storyboards and mock-ups for clients. Like, you know, if you've worked in the advertising world, you know, there's like round 32 of the storyboard, like is not uncommon. In fact, it's very common. Um, And just the ability to operate with additional speed and efficiency is like such a real opportunity for us. And I think um, just as I was sharing before, like we embrace change and we embrace new technology. And that's exactly what we've done with generative AI. Actually, creative director on my team who I kind of tasked to like lead our little task force on this internally. He recently entered a competition like outside of work for some of his art. He's like an artist as well. And he won. He's so good at like prompt engineering now, which is amazing because just like anything, nobody is born being great at prompt engineering. Like you have to practice and you have to figure out who has like natural knocks for it. And it's really impressive just to see how we've been able to drive uh, this knowledge for ourselves internally in the last six months. That really readies us to bring that you know, deep knowledge to our partners who are, are looking for subject matter experts on these matters. Super interesting. And then sort of looking back at the Web3 space more broadly, it feels like it's changed a lot in which recent months. I mean, it's also changed loads even in the last you know year, but it feels like there's quite a different energy. You know, partly there's partly AI's role in it and partly tricky budgets as, as ever. I'm, I'm still feeling like I'm still proud to be part of the sort of Web3 scene and it still feels like it's sort of bubbling away and gonna, yeah, sort of come back all guns blazing. How does the Web3 scene feel to you at the moment? It feels like it's changed a lot in recent months. How would you describe the feeling? I would agree. It's certainly changed a lot in recent months. Um, And, uh, you know, I just got back from consensus and um, a couple of our partners spoke, you know, Salesforce and PepsiCo and Anheuser-Busch and Diageo, which was amazing to get those partners there. And their feeling and and mine as well was like, there are so many people committed to building in this space. It's more of a B2B conference um, versus like sort of consumer facing. There are so many companies who are looking to build who are really energized around this. And I thought the vibes there were awesome, much more sort of business opportunity focused. I think some of the kind of like, I mean, the mania has just completely dissipated and there's no two two ways around that. Um, and I think that's a good thing because a lot of the sort of consumer demand that we saw as part of that hype cycle was wrapped up in, you know, elements of financial speculation that I don't think were sustainable. And and I don't, I actually think it, it repels a lot of brands from participating because there's fandom, which is amazing. Um, and there's communities, which are amazing, but there's also, you know, this like almost irrational behavior that um, I think actually for a lot of our partners prohibited them from participating in a meaningful way. Um, so I would say the Web3 space is growing up. The mania has cooled down, but uh, the builders are very committed. And I think because of the last few years, also often very well funded in navigating like uh, sort of a quiet periods. So we're in that right now. Um, but the people who are sticking around, I think are really sticking around for the right reasons and committed to sort of building in this ecosystem and building sustainable businesses, which of course, um, are what you're ultimately going to need, like, yes, VC funding for this stuff has dried up. Yes, you know, there's a lot of negative um, headlines sort of percolating out there, but also there are these communities of really smart people building these applications and programs and communities to sort of welcome in this next era of users. We still need that chat GPT moment for Web3 where people are like, wow, this is going to change my life for the better. And that hasn't happened yet, but you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will. And also hopeful that some of these parallel technologies will start to interweave a little bit more um, and deliver that you know, experience that the consumers are seeking. 100%. Yeah, we need our iPhone moment. It feels like um, there's so much amazing innovation in the space, but, but you're right, we haven't sort of struck on the, the thing that drives 
mass adoption. That, yeah, know. 100 million users. Like people speak about, oh my God, this sold out like 2,000 pieces. And I'm like, 100 million users is like a real number. <laughs> like that's like a real, like every company has to pay attention when it's 100 million users. It just, I think scale does matter for sort of, you know, brand uh, and enterprises to to develop like meaningful programming on their side as well. I guess, like, again, that's where the 90-10 thing comes in handy. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is what we're allocating. Is it, It's a kind of a set amount that we can sort of experiment with, see what's working, test out what do users actually like? Can we actually create something that they want to play with? And also maybe speaks to people beyond the kind of core Web3 community that like, um, the sort of yeah fanatical community exactly with women of web3 we also have um a sort of a jobs board and a talent collective and we're helping women get roles in web3 so i was wondering what would your advice be for for listeners in terms of if they're thinking about joining a web3 company or or otherwise sort of getting involved in this space what advice would you have for them yeah i would recommend um one do what they're doing in terms of listening to podcasts um thank you uh women of web3 listeners um, for tuning in. So one, take the time to learn and listen. I think what is amazing is because this is just a small community, people really want to help each other and really want to, you know, network and build relationships and be useful and make connections. So take the time to make those connections, whether you are, and people do this in different ways, right? Some people are really great at discord and they meet friends that way. Some people are great at events. Um, and you know, they want to invest time going to conferences and meeting people in real life. Some, um, you know, maybe it's a Twitter space, maybe like verbally is, is your method of connection. Um, but take the time to invest in these relationships because I think it is still so small and early that you can really have outsized impact by investing there. And in terms of finding a career in Web3, you know, it's it's funny because a year ago, this would have been different. Everybody was just dying to like hire Web3 native talents. And um, there, the, I mean, that has cooled off dramatically as well. Um, just the overall job market is in a different place than it was a year ago. Mm. But I continue to believe that companies are going to want to hire people who actually understand this technology. I can tell you, I do interviews all the time with people who say they want to join Vayner 3. And I'll ask them like, you know, one little bit of a detailed question. And like, it's kind of clear they haven't participated in like, you know, this way themselves. So it's like, okay, which NFTs do you have? And which communities are you into? Which, which is your favorite podcast? Like just a little bit, like a little under the hood. So I think really taking the time to be a practitioner and to know this stuff, if you're passionate around it, makes so much sense. And I tell this to a lot of my clients who've, you know, gotten promoted and things like this by taking these, you know, taking these boundary pushing opportunities is like, this is, can be a career maker. Like if you do something that's never been done before, you can show that you are a leader who takes chances, who takes risks, who makes things happen. And it can be a very beneficial thing for your career. Right. You know, one of my old colleagues at Google started this like women um, in Web3 at Google group that has like massively accelerated her her sort of development as well. So it doesn't have to be leaving your existing company. It could be could be a totally net new job and it could be, you know, a employee resource group that you start to form at your current company. So there's many ways to approach it. That's not something that's come up before, but I think you're so right that like it is a massive opportunity to kind of expand on your existing role or kind of gain new responsibilities, gain new skills. Um, and I think it also makes people stand out if you are sort of raising that with your managers and sort of and further up or exactly as you say trying to start a, an employee resource group yeah we're in touch with that group at google as well out of interest what's your preferred method of connection like in person discord conferences where do you thrive i think i'm better in person um i think personally i'm really good at like email responsiveness i'm like a plus and i think i'm really good um in person when it comes to like the group chats and the twitter spaces because of my schedule um i think i'm not in the discords like i can't keep up with like that because i 
am not able to dedicate, um, you know, enough time to like really be good at those formats. But I think in person, like when I'm there, I really enjoy connecting with people in person and, you know, meeting in real life. And I feel like that's always been like a meaningful, you know, way for me to build those relationships. Mm, uh, same. I do also like podcasts. I like listening to podcasts for like information. And, and I guess I'm more of like a audio consumer, a little bit of news consumer. And then in person is, is my vibe. I'm like the worst at like discords and like DMs. It's just like, it gets lost in the sauce for me. <laughs> um, literally exactly the same here. And, um, and I think also, uh, from what we're hearing from the women of Web3 community, people love that in-person moment because we're sort of in a minority in Web3 that when you put women in a room together, they kind of go like, oh my God, if like we found each other and like, it feels like sort of being home. Um, that people seem to really appreciate. So lastly, Avery, where can people find you online? Yeah, Avery Akinini on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, um, on Blue Sky, wherever is your preferred um, method of communication. And if you like podcasts, I do a podcast every week with Coindesk called Gen C. Um, So check that out if you are um, interested in the world of marketing and how it intersects with Generation Crypto. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Avery. Um, Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend, Lauren. for listening to the women of web3 podcast if you like this episode please do give us a rating or review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast from it really helps more people find the show check out our website womenofweb3.co to find our talent collective you can apply to be part of or post your web3 vacancies on our jobs board if you've got any questions or comments just tweet us at women of web3co and we'll see you next thursday morning <laughs>